Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. When women lead, share performance and profits go up 50%. Results are more powerful when everyone is empowered. This is the insight that brought the four founders of Beyond Barriers together. We came from a diverse set of leadership backgrounds with a common goal to close the gender gap at work and expand economic opportunities for everyone. Tune in each week as one of us interviews inspiring guests who share stories and cutting edge strategies that will help you learn what helped them go further faster. Have you ever met someone who seems like they just have it all together? Super dynamic, really passionate, hardworking, focused on family, focused on work, leader, engaged with everything that they do. This is Tina Manikas, president of Tracy Locke, an Omnicom agency. I met Tina many years ago when we were both working together on a very high pressure pitch. Tina is a dynamic marketing executive and leader known for her focus on vision and relentless pursuit of new strategies, capabilities, and solutions to grow brands and solve business problems. Tina always shows up with a solution. She looks at creativity, technology, and commerce as an opportunity to multiply business potential. She's an entrepreneur who has a track record of growing businesses beyond the bounds that others could see. She's a mentor. She's a mom. She's a godmother. She's a grandmother. And she is an incredible business person with a very compelling story. Under Tina's leadership, Tracy Locke has soared, solidifying its position among the industry's most respected and sought-after brand and commerce-building communications agencies with award-winning creative industry achievements that include Can Lions, Effies, and ANA Reggies. Prior to joining Tracy Locke in 2021, Tina built a 23-plus-year career at FCB and Interpublic Group, where she founded and led FCB Red, an award-winning shopper, digital, and commerce agency. She's also been Global Retail Officer for FCB Global and Chief Retail Marketing Officer at Draft Chicago. Named Advertising Woman of the Year in 2019 by the Chicago Advertising Federation, Tina has earned numerous recognitions over the course of her career. She's a speaker, she's an advisor, and she's a faculty member at several global and U.S. advertising industry forums, and she continues to help shape the future of the industry on the community of the industry. She's also very engaged in the community and serving on the boards of Off the Street Club, Chicago's oldest boys and girls club, and the Chicago Foundation for Women. She's an incredible advocate for equity, diversity, and inclusion, and she's one of the original signers of Time's Up Advertising and an early supporter of Free the Bid initiative. I learned so much, even after so many years of knowing Tina, and I'm so excited for you to get a whiff of her passion, her poise, her wisdom, and her grace. Please join me for this wonderful conversation with Tina Manikas. So I would love it if you could just start by introducing yourself with your name um, and just, you know, I know your story because I've worked with you, but um, but would love it if you could just share with our listeners a little bit about the story of Tina. All right. Well, thank you, Brooke. Um, my name is Tina Manikas, and uh, I've been in the what I would call the marketing and advertising business for quite a few decades um, and has started out, I would say, of uh, picked out of it, uh, fell into it almost in college uh, because I was uh, on to be a business major because I'm a first-generation 
American. And parents were always like, you've got to be in business, go to business. And I had a little stint in a tech high school in in creative. I was actually uh, an art art direction there, believe it or not. And uh, then I went to business accounting, et cetera. And then I fell into um, the advertising world by happenstance. One of the clients at a part-time company that I was working at making my way through college uh, was a account director, account leader for Citibank at a local agency. And he said, you know what? You'd be great at this. Come do it part-time. Come introduce yourself to the president. And sure enough, I still have the suit where I introduce myself to the president. Uh, I still keep it. It's not in some like glass case, but it definitely is somewhere in this house. Uh, but I was very thrilled and I got the job. I didn't even know anything about it, but basically started out doing anything and everything, like cleaning the president's closet, answering the front door, doing bookkeeping. I'm not ashamed of it because I really feel like I got a, I, I got to touch many things, including fell into project management, believe it or not, back in the day and started working on Mars and launching Kudos Snacks, if you, anybody remembers yeah. Kudos Snacks, and working on Jack Daniels, uh, which I wasn't into distilled spirits, but I soon became a fan. Uh, so working on Jack Daniels and M&Ms and stickers um, got my got my teeth into wonderful brands and what it is to tell brand stories. I know, Brooke, you're into telling brand stories. You've been in the business so long, uh, as uh, almost as long as I have, um, but not quite, probably. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so from there, I feel like um, my career took twists and turns kind of like Waze. All of a sudden, you know, when you, you're on Waze, the app, and all of a sudden it says, hey, you can go five minutes shorter if you take this route. And I did do that because I went through four acquisitions and mergers, uh, actually five, to get me all the way to FCB. So I started out with Lee Hill Inc., which was an agency that pretty much was one of the fathers, uh, headed by the fathers of promotional marketing at the time, and then went to Marketing Corporation of America, a very research-oriented company, and then to Draft, uh, where we kind of met Brooke, right, with FCB. And became draft FCB and then it merged into FCB. So I actually took five different jobs without even interviewing for those jobs. Exactly. You know, that that's been my history. And then since then I'm at Tracy Locke. I'm now president of Tracy Locke. Uh, I've been in what I would say the side of marketing for your audience here. That's all about uh, convincing people to buy into brands, but also buy products. So kind of the science of understanding how people behave and make decisions and helping them through messaging, storytelling, inspiration to get them to buy the product that that, that we think they should really be buying. And that's kind of what I do, uh, if you will. And I'm loving Tracy Lock right now. It's part of one of the bigger holding companies and uh, we're having fun. That's so great. That's so great. Um, what I, I mean, I, I didn't know your earlier story, but it, it squares perfectly with what I know about you. Because when I remember about working with you was one, you're one of the hardest working people that I've ever met, like just always there, always in the room, always willing to roll up your sleeves. And two, like, I just always felt like you could always find a way, right? Like there was always a possibility. Nothing was off the table. But it was always in service of the client's business objective. And I, I really took that from my experience of learning, of, of working with you. Um, and I'd love to know, like, where did that, where did those things come from just in your life? How did you cultivate that? Because it sounds I also stumbled into advertising um, and have had a blast. But um, but would love to know sort of how you cultivated some of those traits. It's hard. It's hard to say, like, how it happens. But I think 
it first of all, it's some of it's coming from, I think, my parents, because they came to this country with nothing and they created something. And and I really give them a lot of credit for that um, coming from, you know, ha- you know, really forced from economic reasons to get here. But then also, I think along the way and, you know, in marketing, it was always it was first a man's more of a men's world, if you will. And, you know, when opportunities pop up. I think half of it is kind of taking that I'm not Brazilian, but I sometimes feel I have a, this Brazilian attitude of cup half full. So how how can we get around this? If you can't go through the mountain, can you go around it? And there were plenty of mountains along the way. And I think you picked up on it a little bit. I always think about how we can do something, not a yes or a no, but how we can craft around it. So I really do believe it's it's facing those, taking on those roles that you initially had to fake it before you made it. And, and that makes you really think hard about proving your value and bringing something of interest or going out and finding out the answer or some answer. Yeah. It, it's interesting. You've probably seen the data about if there's a job and a woman has like seven out of 11 qualifications, she'll, she won't, um, she won't submit or even 12 out of 11, right? So she might question herself and men, it's like six out of 11 and, you know, I'll go for it. Um, so I think it's like, you know, that both that fake it to make it, but also the, just that really believing that there is a way and you can find a way. Um, it's, it's rare, right? <laughs> I think it's, but, but I think you see it a lot in a lot of women at the top. Um, so I would, I would love to know, like, as how do you, how do you share that? I mean, I, 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 my experience of being around you is it's sort of osmosis, right? Like you, it's a little bit contagious around you. Um, but how have you thought about kind of cultivating that in others? I know you have, you have a daughter and, and some sons and like, how, how do you cultivate that with, with those around you? Well, I'm, I'm always, you know, I, I think you need to be a bit of a cheerleader for people because I, and I know as women, and I see it in myself and I have to almost chastise myself that, you know, you're hard on yourself and, and you don't think like, you don't qualify that extra point. Don't go for it. You're not worthy. But you actually have to think about your potential. Could you do that job? Could you do it? Do you have the potential? Then yes, go for it. And I always kind of promote with people, you've got to be your number one promoter, you know, that you've got to stand up for yourself. You've got to know your value. And it's so hard today. You're busy. And I tell my kids too, you're so busy with your head down doing your job and doing great. And you think people are just going to know you're great. Well, the quite honestly, no, you have to point it out and you have to make sure you're orchestrating your own narrative. And then you have to keep your head up to look outside to know your value. Because only then with some data points, can you really kind of advocate for yourself? So I do advise networking big time, yeah. you know, you and I are doing it right now, right? Yeah. So networking super important, even if you, there's nothing to get out of it in, initially. I also think being generous is important. If you're not generous with ideas, with thinking, et cetera, you're not going to get far. So I kind of advocate for that as well with them. And then just see if you can find a sponsor or a mentor because that helped me in my career big time. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I love thinking. I've never thought about networking as gathering data points. And I think for some folks who think about it as um, like a a non-productive activity, that's a really helpful frame because it's like, it's actually, I'm actually doing something in in service of something as opposed to just showing up and kind of socializing. So I, exactly. I love that frame. That's great. And I think we hear a lot about, you know, keeping your head down and thinking you're going to get noticed. And that that's really, you know, why we founded this business was to help people look up, you know, and kind of take the wheel of their own career um, in particular. So um, I love it. 
That's so cool. Tell me about um, leadership in general. I mean, yeah, I, for, in my eyes, you've always been a leader. Did you imagine yourself a leader early on? Um, how did you How did you find yourself there, and and um, how's that fit for you? I never imagined myself being a leader in this industry <laughs> at all. Um, and but I always wanted to be successful, and the success that I had seen around me was more entrepreneurial like. So working in corporate America was a little different thinking like, wow, how could I be, you know, I was thinking more of an owner versus a leader in a business somebody else owns. But actually kind of the sweet spot of that is something that I, um, actually I found when I networked again and was seeking another job saying, hey, you know what? I need to find another another opportunity, another challenge. I was kind of feeling that. And I, I had to go outside to, I actually hired a recruiter that became um, almost an advisor uh, for leaders. And he started out, gave me a three hour um, interview. And I said, Oh my God, what's he going to find out for three hours? I thought I'm going to bore him to tears. And he started out with, where were you born? Where did you go to grade school? And I thought, Oh my God, I'm ready to put a fork in my eye. I thought this is going to be so terrible. He's going to find nothing. And in fact, he found something. He said, you know what you are? You are this and this and this, and you are an entrepreneur. That's what you are, an entrepreneur. And that was very interesting to me. So I actually, that's what I kind of hooked. That's what's been guiding me all the way. It's how can you be an entrepreneur inside companies? And I think that's kind of one of the secrets of what, um, I fell into that, that kind of guided my leadership career, whether that was intentional or not, that's what happened. Right. That's so cool. That's, and I've seen, I mean, I've watched you build, you know, different businesses within businesses and, and now you're at the helm of, of a big business. Um, we'd love to know in terms of, you know, it sounds like you had some really great mentors and, and sponsors. And, um, that's another thing that, that we share. And, um, I think I, I, I quote Ellen Plusker probably, at least six times a week, you know, she yeah, was, she was my mentor. Amazing. Um, and she just sort of, she, she lives on my shoulder. Um, I would love to know sort of what, what were some of the pivotal moments where you were able to leverage those relationships or where, you know, you were sort of, I, I've, I've found with a number of the mentors that I've had, like they, they haven't told me what to do, but they've asked me these compelling questions where it's like, you know, it's like a disarming moment. And then it's also, a, also an empowering moment. So I'd love to hear if you, if you're willing to share any of those moments um, for you. Oh yeah. I mean, I've, I've had, um, I mean, Yvonne Firth, uh, that, you know, uh, is a great mentor of mine, uh, just a, a real believer in, in, in almost, it, she kind of taught me like, you can actually invent the position you want versus just the positions that are out there, which is very interesting the higher you up, go up in leadership, the more you can craft the role to suit you, but to suit the things that you can really bring value to the company and to yourself. And I never thought that, well, it's got to be that. And that's your six point list, right? Or your seven point list that you mentioned earlier. So that was really a defining moment. Um, Dina Howell, who uh, was P&G for many, many years, and she's, I think, now retired, but on so many boards and whatnot. She always told me, well, what's your what's your career after? What's your next after? And she was an amazing mentor, just to name two right there. Yeah, yeah. And my husband, I guess, was the biggest uh, mentor for me and sponsor, if you will, because he always said, you know what? And this is, take it for what it's worth. You know, your husband's always going to be your big advocate, but he's, he's always saying, hey, you're Michael Jordan. 
when do you put Michael Jordan on the bench? Never. So he kind of said that. Now, I'm not any Michael Jordan, but when you have someone like that in your camp, you always think, wow, you know, you, you, you've got to feel better about yourself and you, you get energy to kind of keep going. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that as a as relationship goals, right? Find someone who who believes you're the Michael Jordan, you know? And exactly. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, okay, so tell me about like resilience, right? And overcoming fears and limiting beliefs. I, you know, we all have them. We've all had different, and, and you're a very confident person, and you've done um so much in your career and your life. Um, is there a moment that you've had or, um, you know, a season in your life where you've where you've wrestled with those? And can you talk a little bit about how you wrestled through those? Yeah, I mean, certainly it, it, it's it's devastating when you get to a point in your life or in your career and something happens where it didn't go well or it, did, it failed. Or in my case, uh, you know, it was a time where I really didn't. I guess I didn't, I didn't deliver. I didn't think I didn't deliver, but I, I guess when I look back at it, I think, you know what? I could have delivered more. I could have delivered better, uh, met expectations or exceeded expectations better. And, and it was close to the edge, like with my boss and all that. And, and I, and I, and I was like, I went through like the, what is it? The 12 steps of like dying, you know, <laughs> you know, when you're dealing with death and first there's denial and then there's, you know, just sadness and anger and all those things. But then you know what it is about it? it, it you've got to just realize that it's such a life lesson because if you could really spend some time thinking about what could have made this different, what could have made this better and just apply it to the future it almost gives you ammunition to go kill it after you fail. It really does. And it, it's just, you've got to take it as a learning, as as an example of, and, and being allowed to fail, by the way, I have to give it a credit to some bosses here that being allowed to fail, but being serious about it, like this thing didn't work, let's do something that it really matters. And so I just think the biggest thing you could do is realize that it takes time, just really realize it takes time to get over the hurt, but look at the future. What can you do different? Like, what are three things you can change? That That's a really simple formula. What are the three things you're going to change moving forward? And I think that's what gets you through it. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. It, and it's so interesting because we, this podcast is about women like you have had incredible stories. And so many of the women that we speak to have like either the three things that they carry with them in a notebook for the entire year, right? <laughs> or the three things they like that, that I think that number three is magical, but there's also a pattern of like taking that time to reflect. And that's something I think that's really hard now with how fast the world moves and how we all feel like we have, I was coaching a group um, in, in the advertising business and um, they were talking about how there's so so much new technology that like the people who report to them are just, they're going to be better at it because, because of their life stage, right? They're just going to have more time. And so then how do you bring value when you're used to making the things and doing the things? Um, but similarly, I think taking that time to reflect um, can be a challenge. So how do you, how do you manage that? I mean, you've got so much on your plate, right? But how do you, how do you juggle that? How do you make sure that you have that space to, to reflect and, and learn from every, every challenge? I really think there's a little bit of art and science to deselecting things to not do them today versus do them today. And that's such a hard thing, especially for women, I think, to because you think you could do you got to do it all. You have you can do it all and you've got something to prove. But actually just figure out I'd rather be I'd rather act than be perfect. 
So if you drop the perfection bit and, you know, deprioritize some things, you can actually get some things accomplished. That That's how I feel. And I don't think there's such a thing as balance. I think you just got to focus. Can you give yourself give yourself uh, the gift of focus, <laughs> you know, focus on this, focus on that and do it really well. And, and, and we're all makers. I don't care if you're a service industry or you're a teacher or you're, you know, you, you're on the assembly line making chocolate bars, you are making something. So what did you make today? That's what you kind of have to think about. Can I make something this week? Can I make something this month? What are three things I'm making? Back to the three. <laughs> Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. It's it's so good. And I think it's, I was just, as you were talking, I was reflecting back to like the, the work that we did together. And there was, there was so much, like what I remember is you always showing up with something, right. And always showing up with a, like a, a really challenging question or a really interesting take on the challenge that we were, you know, sort of a typical response to a challenge. And I feel like that um, dropping that perfection piece, like th- there's something really sticky about always showing up with a solution. I, t- I, I, I love the expression, strong opinions held loosely, right? Like yeah. show up with the point of view. Like I, it's yeah. actually even better if you're wrong, because then you have the constructive conversation around that point of view. Um, and it's, it's so funny. Like you're, you're so right about the point of view. It makes people so much more interesting when they have a point of view, even if it's like you said, you know, but be open, right? Have a point of view, but be open. But it's much better than someone that doesn't have any point of view. It's, it, there's nothing to be gained there. So, and, and we're all smart people. We have hypotheses. We have, you know, we're observers and we're consumers. So yeah. we do, we, we, do, we should have thoughts like that. Yeah. Absolutely. What if you knew exactly where to focus to go further, faster? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers and the ability to take action and gain unstoppable momentum to deliver results and advance. Take the Beyond Barriers Momentum Metric Quiz to get a personalized report on the five C's, core categories used to measure and accelerate success. Visit gobeyondbarriers.com slash quiz to get your report today. So one of the one of the things that one of the other things that drove the founding of this company was um the observation that it's almost never ambition or ability that holds women back. Um, and my co-founders, one of them is a first generation American, one of them is first generation college. Um, I'm first generation corporate, right? <laughs> um, you have a lot of those intersections. Um, I think uh it, you know, what we, what we landed on is it's, it's often navigational skills, right? So this is mm-hmm. a context that I'm not familiar with that I don't feel like I'm in the inner circle. So it's taking me twice as long to go half as far. And so for, um, you know, for someone who came into this kind of fresh, right? I'd love to know, how did you, how did you locate the navigational skills? Cause I would say like watching you, you're really good at navigating all kinds of environments. Um, but that's something that can really hold women and women and people of color in particular back, which is part of what we teach in, in, um, in beyond barriers. But I'd love to just hear about your experience with that. Yeah, I think, I think half of it is, um, just having some inner confidence that, it, that to kind of put your put yourself out there, because um, navigational skills need that. <laughs> you need to be able to ask directions. Sorry, but that's part of navigational skills, gaining them. And sometimes we fear that we'll be judged by you know putting ourselves out there, or we'll ask it in the wrong way, or what have you. And actually, people innately you have to ins- assume good intentions. People do want you to succeed, and if we could just get over that, I really do believe more communication over communication, asking questions, 
And asking people of different ilk that same question, you'll get a more rounded understanding of the right path to go. Because if you don't, you, you don't have the devil's advocate thing in your head. You're only going to hear one. So I do think it's getting different perspectives. And it does take a take time to do that. And, and hey, by the way, you can research it as well. Like I, I mentioned before, fake it until you make it. I don't mean talk BS. I'm talking about you have to craft some kind of point of view, as you said, and choose a path. But also know that the way you can zig and zag along that path, because I think you got to recognize and ask yourself every so often, am I on the right path? Am I doing the right thing? I think that's the way you gain navigational skills, you know, and the more you navigate, the more you're, you're a better navigator. It's just, you know, and that just comes with it, but you've got to get out of your own shell. You really yeah. do. And you've got to look up and talk to people, ask somebody for coffee, yeah. ask somebody for who's not going to take, want coffee from you, you know, ask somebody for five minutes of their time. It's a gift. You're actually honoring them by asking them for five minutes of their time. And we don't do that enough. That's what I find. You're right. You're right. And I think, I think you're so right about like, there's a moment of vulnerability that's hard to wrestle with, but it's a practice, right? The more you do it, the easier it is to do. And I, I always share that like everybody likes to talk about themselves, right? <laughs> so if you ask somebody, I just want to learn more about your journey, you know, more about how'd you, how'd you do what you've done? You know, it's a great way to start a conversation because because people like to talk about themselves. <laughs> so. We both we both brushed with Michael Fosnett, right? Mm-hmm. The one thing he and I both agreed on and, and something he always said is like, the best question you can always ask someone, first question right out of the box is, what's your story? Just what's your story? Because once it's about them, right. it's again, it, you're being generous and they're going to be a floodgate of information for you and, and valuable knowledge. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Tell me about uh, how you make difficult decisions. Um, like, do you have techniques that you you use? You do have like a uh, rubric that you use. Like, how do, how do you when you have something a difficult decision or a risk in front of you uh, that you want to take? How do you how do you navigate that? I mean, I, I don't know if there's any magic to it, but I, I do think information is king. So you want to lay out the pros and cons and the possible pathways. And, and what are the ramifications of each way? And also, what are the ramifications for waiting? Because I think one of the worst things you could do is wait to make a decision. And it be- makes the whole situation worse because you're either prolonging <laughs> your bad news, <laughs> you know, or, or just hurting the company that or, or the objective you're trying to reach. So I just like to lay out the pros and cons, and I and I like to talk it over. Secondly, talk it over with uh, my peers just to make sure I'm thinking about it right. Um, and then I like to be very transparent because sometimes when you're delivering, when you're making a tough decision and you're delivering bad news, it actually puts everyone in a better position. Even if you're, let's say, in a situation where you're actually letting somebody go, <laughs> I'm just. I know it sounds strange, but even in that instance that you're doing that person a favor possibly because they would have never grown inside your company and they could grow somewhere else and do a kick-ass job somewhere else because sometimes it's just fit. So I'm using that example, but also in business, just the right recommendation to make a brand or a business to let go, you know, versus keep it going or a capability. Um, I think those are things you got to constantly look at and grade, you know, how's it doing versus objectives, you know, every so often. Yeah. 
I think that's great. And I think um, the ramifications for waiting is a really important, uh, important mm-hmm. one that we don't hear a lot. And and we have heard a lot of people say, and I have this like a personal board of directors that they t- like there's peers yeah. or just, you know, like just people that I know I can call and say, hey, like this is something that I'm weighing. You know, can you can you help me talk through it? Um, do you have people in your life like that beyond the folks you work with? Oh, 100 percent. I have, uh, you know, I have a leader that's in another agency that is it just it, a couple of those two or three of those that, you know, I trust them like, like no other. And I'll bounce them off. Hey, I'm dealing with the situation. What do you think? What do you do? What have you heard? Uh, and it's so great because you'll be surprised what situations other people are facing similar. And, and then you learn and you can then feel more confident in the decision you're making. hundred percent. Totally. Um, do you have daily, I mean, we talked about sort of taking the time and making the space space. Do you have daily habits or rituals, um, that ground you? I guess the biggest grounding is, um, my turn on and turn off. Uh, like when I'm on about business and the professional life, it's a hundred percent on when I'm home, it's like when I'm focused on family, it's a hundred percent family. And I'm not saying that they're equal, equal all the time. One sometimes is much more 80, 20. Um, and on other days it's, it's the other way around, but definitely this, this idea of when you're, when you're in it, be in it. When you're trying to like juggle at the very same time, it's very hard. So, you know, and I know that takes good family support, good life support, good professional support to do that. But I do believe when you're in it and it allows you to focus, you're much better at it. Um, and I just love to read and keep up on what's going on kind of insatiably, insatiably. Uh, and I try to do that early in the morning, believe it or not. Um, and I try to think about not for the day necessarily, but for the week. Again, what are the things I'm trying to accomplish this week? What would be like a real win? What would be a win this week? Like, what are three things I can win this week? And it kind of keeps me focused a bit and makes me feel like I accomplished something. So that, that, those are a few things. I don't know if they're any different than what you've heard, Brooke, but, um, those, those help me. And I like to talk to people. I, I will talk to people that are on my team, even if it's, I'm not expecting like huge agendas, just all frequent, frequent communication, just to check in and see how they are, especially in this hybrid world. Um, people need to feel connected more than ever. And when I do that, I learn always and I stay much more connected to the vibe and what's important to the organization. Yeah, that's great. I think, you know, um, that two-way street is so important. And I think that um, what you said about when you're in it, you're in it. Um, is is a really interesting and I think important perspective. I think it's hard in a hybrid work world because we're like, you know, like one of the benefits is like I can take a hour and go to my, a recital or whatever, but it's also context. I mean, we, we, I learn every week that multitasking is a myth. I have to relearn that every single week. You know? it, um, is, it is a myth. It is crazy, a, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's part of the reason like I kind of miss having an office to go to because I actually, you know, I was so in and then I'd get on the train and I'm, you know, anyway, um, I think especially, you know, for, um, for women with family, young families, right? Like it's that the, the sort of context switching can can be a real challenge um, for all of us. But uh, but I think your advice about sort of being in one space or another it, it increases the quality of your engagement, right? When you can be fully engaged. So um, absolutely, it is harder with the hybrid world uh, for sure, or even just remote. Those those folks that are remote because sometimes they're working more because I think they 
it's it's hard to even have a turn on turn off sign uh, yeah. with that, right? And you you kind of feel, I don't know if you feel you're actually serving two companies right there in that seat. <laughs> you do you are. Um, so you, that's why I think you know a little bit of I like hybrid more, where you got a little bit of both sides. The benefit now of post COVID is that you can actually be in and be off when you're off. You know, be remote when you're remote. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I found though that at early COVID, the thing I missed the most was my commute because it was like my my wind down time <laughs> instead of like I was just like walking down the stairs and you know onslaught was there. But anyway, I listen to Audible. That's why when yeah. I go, I like to go to the office because yeah. I listen to Audible. I've never I've read so many books since Audible. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> so um, and, and that's the time I'd use it. Unfortunately, yeah. yes. No, I'm not listening to the news at that time. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no. That's when I used to watch all my shows, but I don't watch as many shows anymore. Um, tell me about goal setting. Like, how do you how do you set and achieve your goals? Um, well, I mean, from a are you talking about from a personal or professional? Um, Both, either. Okay. I think, you know, you, you do need to set up goals, but more, more, it's the more about the priority of those goals. That's really critical. Like what is the most important thing you need to achieve, you know, and then second and then third, because the likelihood of doing, achieving everything always is probably slim. But I do think if you've got that priority goal, um, that's the most important. I think what you have to do is keep it visible. Mm. How do you do that? we forget. Um, well, first of all, have it written down in a plan. Yeah. <laughs> and because I have multiple screens, I actually keep it up. I keep it up small in one corner of the screen, even though it's too much on my screens always. I, I, I yeah. just cleaned up my desktop again because I tend to like to keep everything on my desktop, but I keep try to keep it open um, and I can refer back to it. Believe it or not, it's like you got to ha- keep things top of mind. And, yeah. and you can also make ticklers for yourself. Like, check in periodically. It's just like a performance review. Performance mm-hmm. review yourself. Right. Are you doing against your goals? Don't don't be too hard on yourself, but yeah. you know, you always move your goal. You can always change your goal, but you want to do it intentionally. You don't want to have it done for you because you didn't pay attention. Yeah. I um, had the pleasure of interviewing Singleton Beato, who's the head of diversity and inclusion at McCann World Group. And one of the things she said was she had um, in, in the journey to take care of her spell, herself better, she has a, like a physical post-it note on her laptop that says, how you doing? Which I just love. I <laughs> love that. That's the other I thing is, like, we get going and we sort of like, we're the first thing to jump off of our, our own list. So how do you prioritize that? Like, how do you, how do you keep Tina whole in the midst of all, all of the roles that you play? Well, I keep whole by laughing. I love to laugh and I love I love putting, having fun. Uh, that's a big deal to me. Um, I have fun with my family. I spend time with my family. I like to do things. Um, I, I, I like to go places and be out and about. And that's how, and I like to dance. I dance in my car. Um, so I'm just telling you, it. you have to make time for yourself. The one thing I am wanting to do more is actually do a little bit more of that. My daughter, who's actually a better uh CMO chief mom officer than I am, by the way. Um, she tells me, you know, mom, when you get on that plane and it says, you know, put the mask on first on you, then on your kids next to you, you're not, do- you got to do more of that. You're putting the mask on everybody else and you're not putting it on yourself first. So I think about that often when she, with her good advice that, you know, working out, eating well, um, you know, just spending some cultural time, get out there and, and do the things you love. 
Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to, I'm not a fanatic at workout or anything like that, but I love being outdoors and I like to be active on the move. So I try to do that all the time. Yeah, that's great. That's great. What are things that you wish everybody around you, the the women in particular who are, who make up most of our audience knew um, that you see they don't? I I just think you have to believe in yourself. You know, you have to know your own brand. I know that's a sounds like a cliche, but like I said, I didn't realize my brand. To, you actually need other people to help you understand what your brand is. And think of yourself as a brand because every team needs all kinds of people. They, they don't all have to look the same, feel the same, be from the same background. And that's what makes a team great. So remember, there's always a place for you. And there was a place for you up more senior. You got to keep pushing for it because other women are looking for you to do that. And, you know, and then when you're doing that, help other people, help them, you know, help them get up the ladder. When I, some people, sometimes people come to me, I don't know if this is what you were asking, but but they're like, oh, you know, I, you know, they're asking for something for themselves, whether it's a merit or a new job or a promotion or whatever. And and there, some people approach that like, hey, I'm just going to tell you, like almost with trepidation. And it's like, no, I give you a lot of credit. You're 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 advocating for yourself. You're pushing for yourself. You know what your own worth, and you're telling me what you're looking for. If you're telling me what you're looking for, that's half the battle. Then you've got somebody looking out for you, right? That understands where you're trying to go. If you're the only one that knows, that's not going to get far. <laughs> the world's biggest secret, what you aspire to. So I think, you know, we've got to, if there's one thing I advise, I would please let people know what you're looking for, what you're trying to go for. But at the same time, it's not just what you love. Like, you know, hey, I'd like to be a celebrity or something, or I'd like to be, you know, sometimes you should lean in. I hear, heard recently this great point. You should lean into what you're good at, too. It's not just what you wish you could do, but what you're good at. And if you could lean into that, you could really sell. Yeah, that's such great advice. One of the one of the so we one of the modules we go through is clarity, and we ask everybody to come up with a moniker, which is really hard. A unique value proposition, and then at the executive level, we go, we actually go through. We have you write your story, and it was so interesting because I went through this. I went through Beyond Barriers when I was like going through my COVID soul search and trying to figure out sort of what was good. And, you know, I've spent my life positioning the world's biggest brands. And I, I, know. I was like, I'll do, you know, I'll do this in like a half an hour the night before. And it was so hard. Like it took me days to really write my story in a way that I felt good about it. Um, and then you're right about too, like getting the data points from others. Cause I think the other thing I hear a lot from the women that in, in our cohorts is like, I, I don't know what my value is. I don't know. You know, I don't know. But, like there, then there are other women around them who are like, I know what your value is. You know, I can tell you in, in one quick sentence and I, you know, I can tell you why I need you in my, in my corner every single day. So I think that asking others to hold up a mirror is a really powerful thing. And, um, and, and yeah. it takes, you know, it takes a leap with some vulnerability, but that's also a really, it's a strengthening practice, right? Yeah. Sometimes you'll hear something you probably didn't want to hear, you know, right. that, that you thought you were more like this, but you're actually now like this. And, uh, and that's okay. That's okay. You know, and um, I, I think it, I think it's really, really powerful. I mean, for me, I even wanted to think about, well, what is it that I do mm -hmm. in my job? Like, what is it the thing that I bring? And I, I, I kind of settled on this idea that I solve problems with creativity and joy. That's what I love to do. 
that that's what I kind Perfect. of, and, and now yeah. if you're looking for something else, that probably wouldn't be me. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. So, so I, it sound, feels like you've already gone through a curriculum without even knowing what it is. So I love it. All right. Tell me about a book that has greatly influenced you. Um, well, I, I'm going to explain this because this is probably more in the advertising world, but there's a book called The Art of the Pitch by Peter Cowder. <laughs> and I'm bringing that up because it literally teaches you, and I actually went through a course of his too, of how to how to communicate and how to make presentations to people in a meaningful way. And it's so great because it talks about the art of storytelling. And we are all storytellers. And it's very important to, to be, the most important thing I think you can be is influential and persuasive. Like if somebody asked me, oh, what superpower would you want? Do you want to fly? Do you want to be strong like Superman? I would want the power of persuasion and influence because if you have that, then you can go far. And this book kind of shows you kind of some of the tricks and techniques to really get people's attention and get your point across without weird aids and different things and get personal with people. And when you're presenting to your clients or your colleagues, et cetera. So I really like that book and it's by Peter Cowder. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's a good one. And I think no matter what business you're in, right? Like it's, it, yeah. it's really relevant to just being, being in the world. Um, do you have a favorite inspiring quote or saying? I was going to give you, we were talking about this. I, I was going to give you, um, what you put up with, you end up with, because I do love that one a lot. <laughs> and that goes back to making your decisions quickly and being decisive and moving on and understanding all the world around you, what's going on. But I want to tell you also my husband's favorite one, which is, sorry, you didn't ask for two, but I'm telling That's you, okay. the trick to life is not getting what you want, but wanting it after you get it. Ooh, that is so good. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, that is so good. You know, because we want, we want, we want, and we seem to sometimes then become miserable. Why? You know, you have to be careful to really weed through on what you really want in order to enjoy life. So, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm going to think about that all week, probably. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, you, shared your, you shared your value proposition. Do you have one word or moniker that you would use to describe yourself? I'm just, I think it's that entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Yeah. That's who yeah. I am. It's a great one. That's I know what I am. <laughs> um, what's one change that you implemented that made your life better? That's a tough one. Um, one change. I don't know what, the, I don't know if I can answer this one about one change. Um, I guess... I, I guess understanding that there's, I don't know if I made this change, but it's just understanding that there's luck in the world. There's a thing is called something that's called luck. And there's also a thing of putting yourself in the way to be lucky. So once you understand that, that there's a bit of luck in the world that, so you don't get so down on yourself that you, you know, sometimes things happen because it's the right time, right place, but then you can also forge your increase your chances, I'm not trying to play Vegas here, but you can increase your chances if you kind of put some chips down in some good places. 
Oh, I love that. I love that. That's excellent. Thank you. Um, and then last, I didn't know you were such a, I didn't know you were a car dancer. I'm a car dancer too. Um, what's your, <laughs> what's your walk-up song? Oh God, I'm right. I'm the, oh, oh, I don't know. Um, I guess I'm going to go with a recent one, if that's okay. I'm going to do Dua Lipa. She says, God damn, I'm falling in love again. Because that's what I do. I love it. <laughs> falling in love again, again and again and again with this industry or again and again and again uh, with new things that happen in the world. So I just, like I said, it's always about positivity for me. But I love that walk. I love that song. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing your wisdom and joy and creativity with us. I really appreciate it. I'm grateful for your time. Well, me too, Brooke. You're amazing. You're a great strategist and just just brilliant from when I first met you. So Likewise. it's incredible that you're doing this. Kudos to you on this endeavor. Thank I think it's you. amazing. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend or share what you've learned on LinkedIn and tag us. We love hearing from our audience. Visit us at gobeyondbarriers.com where you can subscribe and find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests.